This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Gabby Barr, and I'm here with Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, how are you today? Crumpton uh, merchandise on my head to cover up my. I actually skint my head up on a bracket yesterday. So, oh my gosh! Rather than show the wound, I'm wearing the hat. So, I'm doing great. How about you? What's going on? I'm doing well. It is Tuesday. It was really nice and sunny all weekend, but you know the clouds are rolling in today, and it's it's getting kind of rainy, which is a little upsetting. But we will push through. Rain to bake flowers in the spring, so it'll be worth it. Absolutely. So today we have a very cool dude on our show, um, a guy who I have uh, followed now for I don't know over a year probably, and uh, he's doing some really good stuff uh, for the trades, for the skilled trades, in the way he goes about it, and and how he fulfills the mission of his company i think is really cool so why don't you tell us a little bit about him and then we'll uh we'll turn it over to him and and we'll just be quiet and listen about her <laughs> absolutely sounds good well today's guest as greg said is andrew brown he's the co-founder ceo of tool fetch andrew how are you today i am doing well gabrielle same greg how you doing Man, I'm doing great. Um, jazz to to finally be able to get you all here and talk about what you're doing. Um, as I said before we hit record, you know, I feel like every day now I get to I get a little good message from you on LinkedIn. Is where I follow you. I'm sure you're on other social platforms, but um, that's where I get my daily dose of of tool fetch. So, um. Tell us uh, a little bit about you, why you're doing what you're doing, how you go about it, which I think is unique of how you're how you're fulfilling the mission of your company uh, in a very cool way. So give us a little intro. Yeah, so my mission started when I was 23 years old, and I was living in New York City at the time, and it was 9-11, uh, September 11, 2001, and the planes had just hit the buildings. And I was living on the Upper East Side, and like everyone else, we were shocked what happened. But I had this feeling inside of me that I had to do something. I couldn't just sit there. So I got this crazy idea to call my friend in Rhode Island and said, look, you need to come down here, and we need to go down to the Trade Center and help. <laughs> so after some convincing back and forth, he showed up a couple of days later downstairs in a big, massive blue truck with a big American flag on the back, and he was straight dressed up as a tradesperson. And he had overalls and a hard hat for me. And then I found myself racing down the West Side Highway with him, going through different checkpoints. And we found ourselves after we parked the car on the World Trade Center a couple of days after uh, the, the Trade Center had fallen. And I found myself the entire day helping tradespeople and emergency workers find survivors. And I was watching the tradespeople on site with no protection on, no PPE on. And they, had, they were using any means necessary to dig their way to find survivors. And they were running into unstable structures and glass was falling. And I'm sitting trying to take this all in. 
And after I got through that, 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 that day, not only did it change me personally, but it changed me professionally. At the time I was working on wall street on in it and I quit my job and I had this idea in my head that I had to give back. How do I give back to the tradespeople on site that had given so much that day and obviously throughout history. And I had some sleepless, a uh, couple of months, nights, and that's where I co-founded an online tool and equipment uh, business named Toolfetch with my brother a little over 22 years ago. We're still going strong. We still love the business t today. Uh, we sell tools to the skilled trades. So professionals such as welders, carpenters, plumbers, electricians, and other blue collar trades. Now, these are the men and women who are building and repairing our infrastructure, our bridges, our tunnels, and our roads. And we reached them by offering one of the largest online catalogs with over a million different products from 650 different vendors. So products like lifts, cement mixers, uh, drain cleaners, harnesses, and stuff like that. That is my way to give back to the tradespeople that have given so much. And I've been doing this on a consistent basis for over 22 years. And I've been listening to uh, welders and electricians, their stories around the country for years. And I've been supporting them behind the scenes. And it really wasn't until last year around September where I started putting out this consistent content about the trades. And I felt, you know, inspired to do this, to, to, to be a voice of the blue collar skilled trades and from, from, uh, wages and, uh, the skilled trades gap and, them feeling not respected, I had to keep putting that message out for people to get into skill trades. And I've been consistent. As you said, Greg, I try to show up every day with a message and uh, keep pushing the message out there about the blue collar skill trades. Well, Andrew, it's been great having you on. Uh, that's probably, I'm just kidding. That, um, you know, if you had a mic you could drop right now, I think yeah. that you just, See you later, guys. <laughs> really, uh, no kidding, man. That yeah, that story. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that story uh, as far as nine eleven. Um, I, I mean, that's phenomenal. Thank you, first of all, for doing that. Um, you know, when you were talking about driving down to West Side, I mean, I, I was just seeing all that in my head, and I went there not too long after that uh, myself, and then. I've been to the museum uh, and did a tour of the of a 9/11 museum, and the the heartfelt emotions of walking through that are baffling to me as a as an old dude now. Of how looking at that pieces of you know a fire engine or a piece of iron that's just bent and twisted like a freaking paper clip. I mean. The magnitude of that day, not just on the, uh, the things we can touch and feel, but the emotional side of that is equally um, relevant, I guess. I don't know the right word for it, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And then when you're telling the story right then, I was kind of flashing back. But incredible, man. Thank you um, for that. And, and then the why of, you know, your, your company and what you guys are doing, uh, you know, it just solidifies the whole package. I mean, it, you couldn't, it's one of those deals, like, to me, you couldn't script that shit, you know, like 
it had to happen in order for it to happen because you couldn't you couldn't sit in an MBA class and cookbook that recipe for success. So, uh, congrats on on twenty two years and and for doing it in general. So, all right, let me recompose myself because I got a little emotional there. Uh, that that hit me hard, man. The, the whole thing of um really uh touches a nerve for for a lot of people i'm sure not just me but um appreciate that right. yeah your turn what <laughs> <laughs> you know um it, it just really uh shows i think it shows for me and reiterates probably more than anything the amount of patriotism that our skilled workers have for our country. Um, you know, I was talking about this hat I just got made up for for straight out Crumpton. And, you know, one thing that was really important for me, the guy said he didn't normally do American flags on hats. And I said, well, I'm not going to buy your hats unless you're able to put an American flag on the back of it because that's what I believe in. Um, and I think that those kinds of things like 9-11... Um, anytime we have an attack on our country really brings out, you know, obviously the patriots in our com country, uh, whether they're daily patriots or people that don't necessarily think about being a patriot until those times, um, call for, you know, kind of bringing those things to surface. But, um, I really believe that our skilled trades people are steadfast in their patriotism do you see that, Andrew, when you're dealing with people? Like, do you do you get a sense for that, or is it just me being uh, over overly emotional this morning? No, I, I get a sense for that, and I, I speak to people around the country. You know, whether it doesn't matter what trade they're in, they're they feel like they're patriotic. You know, they're they're dealing something uh, important. Yeah, you know, they're they're built, and 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 I always say this: they're not just building. Uh, a school. They're building a school for kids to go to school. They're not just building a building or a skyscraper. It's people creating jobs. There's things that they're doing that they can be proud of, a bridge or a road to get to work, that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, I truly believe, you know, especially the blue collar skilled trades, that they most of them hopefully are, are patriotic and love the country and love what they're doing for the infrastructure. You know, it's kind of an old thing that that skilled trades people say you know they're driving down the road with their family or whatever and point to a building or a bridge or a piece of iron structure and they say you know i helped build that and it's kind of a, a like i want to say it's the bragging point but it's a moment to be proud for what you contributed uh to your community or whatever and it i think it it speaks to a lot of what the skilled trades people like is that we're able to see what we do every day. You know, we're able to see a, a, a side of a house that we bricked or we see a, a plumbing slab that we got roughed in or whatever. It's a tangible thing. And, you know, think about, I'm, I'm swatting a fly there, sorry. Um, <laughs> you, if you think about some things that people work on are not tangible, maybe it's uh a theory or whether it's a problem that they're solving that involves brain activity only. 
I would struggle with that because I need to see a result. You know, like if I'm mowing my yard, uh, which I don't do anymore because I don't have grass, oddly enough, um, it, it's rewarding to see, you know, as you're inching down the, the, the yard, making your trips around it, you like to see that tangible effect of, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something. And I think a lot of skilled trades people are like that in that they have a tactical, tactile way of seeing their product. And um, I think that's really cool for, for a lot of people to be able to, you know, like my, my I work off of a little checklist. You know, I like to be able to check off things off my list. Um, and I think that's part of, um, of the whole skilled trades uh, is kind of how people's brain tends to work the people i've dealt with anyway you know um so i've been reading this book i don't know if i talked about this last week or not gabby do you remember this small giants book um so i, th I think so i know you talked about a book last week for sure <laughs> this book i have thoroughly enjoyed it and i'm reading it twice in one time because i'm reading every chapter and then I go back a chapter and reread one chapter. So I'm like double reading it because these companies that, that uh, Bo Burlingame is the author, they talk about what makes companies special and these companies that they're talking about. And this has nothing to do in the most part with their top line revenue or how many employees they have. It really comes down to the purpose that they started the business and being able to say no to growing because they're serving a purpose. Um, and, you know, Andrew, I relate this to what you said. You know, these folks that you're selling tools to, you know, you've got a dot-com business. You're in business to make a living and to provide things that people need for their jobs. Um, a lot of people don't know why they're in business, but you do. And you had a foundation for the business of, you know, down there on the waterfront, digging through all that wreckage and, and seeing all that wreckage. And, you know, I don't know if you had a moment of clarity or how it worked for you. Uh, you said it changed your life. I don't know if that was over a week, month, year, hour, or one minute period. But most people who run successful companies that are long running companies they have that motivation, that intrinsic need to do something for a specific purpose. So it really sounds like your company is, is like that. And, you know, you're doing it with your brother, which is really cool. Um, yeah. So how do y'all split the company up? Uh, like, do you do more of the marketing and he's more of the logistics? How does that work for the company? Because I, I don't know that much about your company as much as I do about your your hosting. So tell me about the company. And we'll, we'll backcharge you. We'll send you an invoice for this paid ad later. Exactly. I wanted to ask, answer your question about the who and the why. Yeah. Because um, it was interesting. Um, I, I'm a part of a... Forgive me for jumping around, but my brain is like a damn... Uh, one of those super balls flying around <laughs> in a square box. So. Oh, no worries. Um, we did this exercise. I'm a part of a group called Vistage, which is uh, a group of CEOs that meet on a monthly basis. And I actually have a meeting tomorrow. And one of the exercises, because we have a speaker, was to define the who and the why. And I forget there was another portion of this. And I had my who and why. But it was already just defined 
why I do what I do. And there was, there was in people's lives, there, there are reasons of why people do things. And in my, uh, journey, I had this thing that happened that really changed the trajectory of what I do and why I do. And it's been consistent for 22, 22 years now. Um, and there are people on journey, their own journey of why they start a business. But in, in my journey, there, there is, there's a reason behind it. And that's what keeps me going every day. That's what keeps me getting up every day. That's what keeps me putting out a video every day, because I feel that there's a big mission here to put the spotlight on the blue collar skill trades. And I feel like if I'm not doing it, I'm not, I'm doing it in justice for what I started, or what I believe in. So I know why I started the business with my brother and I know who we are. Um, so to answer your question, um, we actually run a business, uh, or, or developed on EOS management, yeah, which I'm familiar. is how it, you are familiar with it. So, uh, in an accountability chart of, of how we structure the business, there's, uh, there's a sort of a visionary and there's an integrator and there's people sort of underneath. Um, I kind of live in the visionary kind of integrator world. I am to some degree analytical and like to, uh, put, put structure in the business, but I also like to kind of see us where we're going in the next 90 days, one year, three year and 10 year goals. Um, but I kind of fall, I'm also a brand ambassador. So I put out video content as I do in the trades, but really it's more of a mission. Um, you know, if somebody wants to reach out to us on LinkedIn is interested in tools and equipment, I'd be happy to speak with them, but that's not really my mission, why I do what I do. Um, but we set it up to make it very easy for somebody out in the field that something breaks down, they need to repair something, need to fix something, need to build something that we are a source to, you know, to get them the product, to get that, that application done. And that is either online or it's on your mobile phone just give us a call and we're experts in kind of what we do. And we've just kind of built out a whole network over the course of 22 years and it kept expanding the product line to all keep offering other items, uh, to, to the skill traits. Yeah. Um, so two things, what's your brother's name? My brother's name is Evan. Evan. All right. Evan. So when, and this is more directed at you cause I don't know Evan. But people that do things like you do on LinkedIn and people that do things on LinkedIn like I do, we, we are subject to getting called um, opportunistic or whatever because people that have evil thoughts think that we're doing things strictly to increase revenue for our companies, like we're, we're being false in what we're doing. And, you know, I think that I just deflated that thought process because I don't even know squat about your company, which I think is good and it's bad. It's good for you or it's, it's, it's good for the skilled trades, but it's bad for you as a brand ambassador of your company, but you're an excellent brand ambassador for the people you're representing. So you have that duplistic nature, but I think that my, my opinion only, I love that you're vulnerable enough to say, Hey, I'm wearing a goofy dinosaur shirt and I'm talking about the skilled trades as opposed to worrying about somebody saying, Oh, look at him. He's just going on here doing this where he can sell more stuff. 
I love that that juxtaposed position of having to live on that edge because I've got a service logic shirt on right here. This is people that pay me every day. But I'm not doing this podcast to increase service logic's awareness. I'm doing this podcast because I believe in the skilled trades and I want to help young people, military people that are transitioning out, or anybody that wants to go to work with their hands. I want to help them be able to do that. Will my company benefit from that somehow? Possibly, because we hire people who are skilled in trades. But that's not the purpose of what I'm doing. And I that's what I glean from you is that you have a specific purpose of what you're doing, which is fulfilling the need. Yeah, you're running a business that allows you to do this, but it's also really duplistic in that you're getting to help the people you want to help. That's kind of a long way of saying that. Is that, I mean, yeah, I, no, that's accurate. I could see that. I think you know, it was interesting. Um, I, th- there was a time, and, and I'm, I'm used to putting out content, and, and there are people out there that, that mention something. Hey, look, you're, you're just profiting for blah, 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 blah. Like, no, that's right. not what they do. But people have their own perspective, how they kind of see things. Sure. Um, that's, yeah, my, my intention is just to awareness and, and put out content on the skill traits. Again, if, if it leads into somebody interested in learning a little bit more about our organization, what I do, it's great. And then maybe there's maybe there's an opportunity there, but my intent is never to put out content for the purpose of haha. What can I get from this? It's it, it's not like that. Well, uh, I think people that be... think, I'm, I'm sorry about you or three. No, go ahead. I think people that think that way have other issues anyway, and I just always say, you know what? I appreciate hearing that. Where's your podcast? Because I'd like to listen to your thought, and then I I never get any answer back so um anyway i'm i respect what you're doing man keep you got to keep doing it um what is next you know you you you're 22 years deep into this the skilled trades uh deficit i'll call it it's not a gap it's a freaking deficit um is not shrinking as rapidly as we need it to shrink uh Great example yesterday. This is scary, but this is going to happen more and more often. My car, my wife's car, our car, has this weird sound coming out from under the hood. Um, Under acceleration, I hear this noise. I call the dealer because I look under the hood, I can't even see anything because it's just shrouded, you know, with plastic and pieces everywhere. Uh as modern cars and and fuel efficiency and all that stuff, you just can't see the motor anymore. So I called the dealer up where I bought the thing, a 2019 model, and said, hey, I I need to bring my car in. Uh, It's making a really funky noise. I'm scared to drive it. Yes, sir. Uh, You know, you hear the keyboard clicking away. How is uh, March 20th looking for you? I said, well, it's not looking so good because I can't drive the car right now. And I said, you don't have anything, uh, you know, quicker? She said, no, we are scheduled solid through that date. And that's all I can offer you. So, and and I said, okay, you know, so I made the appointment uh, anyway, because I had to. 
But I said, tell me, are y'all that booked or what? what's the situation going on in the shop? Just off the record, because I know you can't shoot yourself in the foot here on the phone. She said, we don't have enough help to keep the cars that we need to flowing through the shop. And, you know, that just reiterates what's going to happen when, you know, the toilet overflows or when the sprinkler pipe breaks or whatever these things continue to malfunction and break that skilled people have to go and repair. And we strictly, we, we simply don't have enough of them. And the population keeps growing. The educated population keeps growing, traditional education people. And there's nobody to do the freaking work that we need to get done just for normal life. You know, like I'm a pretty good mechanic. I can fix a lot of stuff. I can't fix the 2019 Range Rover. That's just not in my repertoire. So, it, I mean, to me, that's just proof that we have to keep driving this message forward. Thoughts, comments, suggestions other than Uber? <laughs> yeah, so an example would be just to further what you said. Um, I had a dryer and uh, that broke here. And there is a, there's a local repairman that, that, that comes in and he services the, the, my area. He came in really nice guy. We got talking and he's about 65, 66 years old. And we talked about the skilled trades and, and he said, I have a perfect job. I make good money. I have no debt. It's, you know, I'm not working that hard, but nobody wants to take the job over. So we got to talking, well, what's going to happen once you retire? Well, there's no transition. There's no one to take over. So what happens in compound this, like you said, whether it's mechanic or it's a plumber or it's electrician, and you just keep doing the numbers here, a welder, who's going to fix all this stuff, right? What, what are we going to do? And it was, it's, it's a scary thought that people don't realize how screwed we are in the next five or 10 years when you have 40% of people who are at that age or getting to that age of retirement, it's like a lost art. Yeah. There is this lost art. And where is the, where is the way to transition to younger kids? What are we doing to get that message out? We are not doing a good enough job to put the message out to the younger generation that a path into the skilled trades is honorable. There's good wages. There's a ton of work Security. out there. Security. There's, yeah, there's, there's none of that. You know, what's happening in the schools? What's, what's being spoken about? Is there shop class? Are kids even being exposed to the, using their hands? What about the kids that have that mechanical ability from a young age? Maybe they, maybe they built Legos and, and stuff and did stuff around the house with their, with their father, like I did with, as a kid, or I do with my son and what is what is the path to get them into that uh get them into a trait i think it you know, really kind of starts back with with parents and giving them the right information parents yeah. have an old adage of the thing that it's you know it's it's you know being in the skilled trades is is dirty it's it's low wage you know people are going to say like people are going to think you know well, why are you doing that? Why aren't you doing a white collar job? It's all that that's compounding on top of kids going to school and speaking to their guidance counselors. And the guidance counselor said, well, what college are you going to? You know, 
and the teacher reinforcing that. I always said that the guidance counselors and parents and uh, teachers are the best marketers for colleges. Absolutely. You know, they're getting free, getting free referrals. Yeah. But there might be an opportunity for a kid to uh, consider a trade school or a trades path, but they don't know about that because there's not enough messaging. It's not being spoken about in all these different areas. And we need to do a better job of putting that out there, whether it's your podcast or it's my videos or it's other people doing panels, whatever it may be, to keep putting that message out. I just don't think we're doing enough of it uh, to expose kids because I think it's getting better. I just think we have a long way to go. Yeah, I, I agree. It is. In my opinion, it's getting better, um, but we missed a whole freaking generation. So if you think about the 65-year-old guy, typically the 50, 45 to 50s would be replacing him, but we're, we missed that generation. So um, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, um, there's my war wound. Um, I'm driving down to Atlanta uh, because on Thursday, they're having a high school state final for skilled trades of high school students. So I'm, I'm going to watch that just because I'm curious. Um, but those are 18-year-olds. So we've got this, this big delta between what we normally would have backfilling the, the dryer guy, and which is my, I'm 58. And I'm, I've said it a million times, I'm the youngest baby boomer. So my year was the last boomer, 1964. So everybody older than I am is a boomer and are retiring rapidly. Um, then you've got this gap down to, you know, somewhere around the 40s. Um, so we missed the whole generation of people that would backfill your 65-year-old dryer dude. Uh, but it is getting better, and we are seeing schools realizing that they've got to bring back some of these VOCA, DECA type programs into their education. My wife and I were talking last night. We live, our, our street is pretty tight. It's not a, it's not a wide street. And when my neighbor's kids are home from college, it's like a freaking show out here of trying to park. And, um, you know, They've got three kids in college at the University of Clemson and, and, and or Clemson University and the University of South Carolina. Um, I was just wondering out loud with her. I'm like, got three kids, two are, are 19, one's 21. I wonder what they're going to do. And I wonder when they graduate in a couple of years, are they going to have something that helps them, helps society? helps make that half million dollars of investment from their parents pay off, you know? Or, or do they wind up working up here in Schlotsky's Deli? You know, I don't know. I, I really wish that I could have talked to the three kids while they were in middle school or high school and make sure they knew that there were alternative paths because both parents are college graduates who work in a, in a white-collar setting. It's just those one-on-one -on -one thoughts and conversations that it takes, in my opinion, it's got to be a grassroots thing. You have to reach out. You have to know, and I've, I've said it a, a lot on the show, you know, it's the, it's the kid at the car wash. It's the kid at church that doesn't know what they're going to do. It's the, the family who, you know, that's got two people coming out of the military that's transitioning, you know, 
it's getting the word out. And to your point, Andrew, we, we have suffered in how we get the message out. Um, and, you know, we've taken to doing stuff like me, an air conditioning dude, hosting a podcast, talking about it, you know. I don't think I ever thought when I was 30 years old working on an air conditioner, I'd be hosting a podcast talking about working on air conditioners. But I really think that in full circle, that's what it takes. It, it takes people like you, like me, like our buddy Josh Zolan, uh, Rich at, at Maliki. You know, it takes all these folks out there, uh, Jamie McMillan up in Canada doing her thing, Nick, you know, all these folks that are in this bubble that you and I live in every day vicariously on LinkedIn of pushing this content out. I wonder also, are we structured enough? Should there be more synapse between these little spheres of information of tying all this together? Or is the shotgun approach best? Do we reach more people with our shotgun approach versus being more streamlined? I don't know. I, I just like to think about all that of how do, how do we get the message out in the best manner? And I don't know that there's a right answer other than we're doing what we know how to do as opposed to sitting around and bitching about it like a lot of people are doing that aren't doing anything about it except saying, I can't hire anybody. Well, what are you doing about it? I'm just sitting around complaining. Okay, cool. That'll that'll really help. You know, get involved. Join us. Get out of your little comfort zone. You know, I mean, I'm not a guy who needs to be on camera for a, a number of reasons, but I do it to help what we're trying to push forward, you know. I don't have a voice for radio. I'm trying because it's all I got to offer. So... That's kind of where my brain lands after 40 years of doing this. Each little piece chips away, right? Your your podcast chips away, my videos chip away, Josh's podcast chips away, Derek's podcast chips away. Everybody is doing it. Jamie is doing her thing in Canada. Everybody's doing their own pieces, and it's, it's kind of... It's not structured in a way, but we're all making, I think, an impact in our own ways. But we all are working together. By me being on your podcast, by me being on Derek's podcast, and so on and so on and so on. That we're kind of we're putting sort of our efforts together. I don't yeah. think there is one right answer per se. What's going to make it happen? Is it a live event that we're all on? Possibly. Is there a panel of some sort? Is there? Uh, a show of some sort uh, that we could be a part of. Make a uh, note, maybe you know, I... note. <laughs> yeah. That's a market scale thing right there. Well, what I can tell you, um, going back to this, what you were saying with kids, and, and I can tell you from my experience, I went to college for four years, and I came out more confused out of college than I was when I was in college. I started off as a programmer and doing C++ programs on Saturday afternoon uh, and I, I, I kept looking around, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? And then went into management information systems, which is business, and I might in finance. And I got out of school, went into IT, and I went into uh, tools and equipment for the skilled trades. So you talk about going this way, that way, and there is no, no one gave me a path. No one sat down and said, we should think about a skilled trades path. Right. Just go to college and you come out with all this debt and 
you 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 go into uh, you try to get into a career and you bounce around. There are people that I know complain about what they went to school for, and they went into something completely separate than what what they do. I mean, it's just they're uh, better off that, to some degree. I read that there's eighty percent of the people that work don't work in the field of study that they they have a degree degree in. All right, so I want to be clear about one thing, too. This is not an anti-college program. We are really, really pro-college for the the people that should go to college because there are people that are, are just, we need lawyers. We need high finance people. We need every one of us doing what we need to be doing. What we don't want is for people to go to college for no reason. You know, like, because they think that's the only option, I think is the message that I like to make sure of, because, I mean, my family is super high educated. You know, my sister, who's been on with us, she carries a PhD around in her pocket. You know, I can't even spell PhD. <laughs> so there are people who need to be highly educated in traditional roles. Last week, I don't know if you guys heard this or not, but on Josh Zolan's podcast, it's called Blue is the New White, episode number 140. Josh, thank you. You can send me a check later. Um, There's a a guy on there named Max Waxer, and Matt is a guy who has a PhD in neuroscience, went to school for 14 years post you know, high school to get this PhD degree, went into the industry, a change in the industry uh, made him rethink his career. The dude's an air conditioning ace mechanic now. I mean, what what a cool story, you know? You, you, you go through what you think is going to be your route, you change gears halfway through your route, and now he's a phenomenal air conditioning uh I, I would call him like a spokesperson for these people we're trying to talk to because he's been through it. You know, he's probably either had or has some lingering debt or, or was fortunate enough. If, if he's that smart, he probably got some uh, tuition assistance. But I just think that the more stories that we can tell like that, the better for everyone because um, there are routes for every situation. There, there's just a route if we if we work hard to figure it out. Um, there's so much I want to say, and I'm looking at the clock like, holy crap, we don't have enough time to do all this talking that I'd like to talk about. But yeah. I'd like to click back over, Andrew, to what you said. Uh, maybe we should do a live event. Um, the the folks that Gabby works for is called Market Scale, phenomenal partners of mine and of Service Logic for many years. Um, they may work with us where we could put together a really cool live panel of a mm-hmm. bunch of us goobers that talk about skilled trades and opportunities within the trades. We might we might have to work on that, Gabby. Um, yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a great idea. That can be really fun too. Uh, to figure out how many different veins we could touch, whether it be some educational pieces. Like I've got a niece who's a, uh, a 
teacher, maybe we could get into their classroom on their white, on their smart board during this event to talk about skilled trades to people in school still. I don't know. We just need to think about that, but that could be a great idea, Andrew. Um, good thing you went to Yeah, come. no, I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's a, a great idea where you pull all the kid. I have in my head already, I already had 10, you know, few people. You can see the I, screen I, I, in your head. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just envisioned it right here, but I, I think you're, I think we're on to something here that, it pulls us uh, all together, and you got uh, uh, you know array of people with different uh, skill sets, but yeah. with on the same mission. So I think it uh, we could work that out. Yeah, I love that. Trade, we could call it trades across the Americas because we could pull in Canada as well. So all right, that's on my. I just wrote that on my little brand. I got a brand new book yesterday, brand new notebook. So I just broke it. Um. All right. What else? Are, all right. So, Andrew, um, before we, we start to wrap, tell us the best way that people can get in touch with you, follow along with what you're doing. And God knows that we want to buy some tools. Tell us how to do that. Yeah. So I'm heavily active on LinkedIn. So it's under my name, Andrew Brown. Uh, if you want to talk about the skilled trades, I'd love it. If you want to talk about tools and equipment, DM me. Uh, toolfetch.com www.toolfetch.com is our website to check out if you want to look at uh, tools and equipment I am also on TikTok under my name I'm also under uh, YouTube under toolfetch and email me at andrew at toolfetch.com love to talk to you that is awesome tell, tell me real quick how did the name uh, fetch figure in there are you like a yeah. dog figure on the sun or what yeah, it, it actually came out of um, years ago in New York City where we were living. There was, uh, I think, an urban fetch. Mm. There was some sort of service, and somehow we caught on to the fetch name and put tool and fetch together, and it just kind of stuck. No, it worked. Uh, you're how, thinking yeah. reach and bringing stuff to you, so I think that works well. Yeah. All right, Gabby, give us your 20-something-year-old opinion on today's thoughts and uh, iterations. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Andrew, you really do have a fantastic story. Um, I mean, obviously, the beginning of your story is, is very emotional. As Greg said, I don't have too much experience with 9-11. I was one year at the time, so... I do not remember it, but I do know that, you know, I was living in Pennsylvania at the time. And so my mom was working in a pharmacy at the time and, you know, sent stuff over. And it was just, it's been something that, you know, you talk about in school and learn about growing up, especially, you know, with me growing up in Pennsylvania, we were so close that it it was something that we really did talk about and remember every single year and so it is really fantastic to hear that that's you know where your story got started it's very powerful and i mean in terms of what you guys are saying about um the deficit in the trades i mean i think it's definitely one of those things where i graduated college not so long ago it hasn't even been a year since i've graduated yet which is kind of crazy because it feels like forever ago but, I agree with that crazy part, by the way. <laughs> but um, 
I mean, yeah, I honestly, I can't say that I even really knew that skilled trades was necessarily an option before going to college. And obviously, I I love learning and I'm super happy with where I ended up. So it really worked out very nicely for me. But I have a lot of um, friends who I went to college with who have done nothing since we graduated, but try to find a job. And so they're at this point just kind of taking what they can get. And most of them, like, you know, like you said, it's not even remotely associated with what they went to school for, which for them is very frustrating because, you know, most of them had a goal. They went in with a specific interest and that's why, you know, they studied what they studied. And so it's very frustrating to pay that much money and come out and not even end up in your specific field. And, you know, you're working at HEB, the grocery store or Target to just kind of get by while you wait to hear back from the hundreds of job applications that you have to fill out in order to finally get accepted for something straight out of college. And so I think that to Greg's point, it would it's really ideal to know all of your options. You know, there are there are some kids who aren't going to be interested in a skilled trades life, but there are some kids that may be interested in it and not even know that that's something that interests them until it's something that's discussed or talked about with them or they get to experience a part of it in some kind of wood shop or anything, any kind of class like that. I know at my high school, we had those classes, but they were very unpopular classes. They were kind of all the classrooms were tucked away in the corner and kind of hidden off from the rest of the school. And um, they weren't hey, really. Let me jump in right there, because I think to Andrew's point earlier, we don't glamorize shop class. We tuck it in the corner. Uh, kids go there who aren't necessarily rogue scholars because, you know, they think it's an easy course or whatever. But that I, I and I'm, 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 I jumped in on you, Gabby, because I know we're short on time. But I wanted to ask this question. When you were in high school and now that you're out of high school, you, you've been exposed or out of college, you've been exposed to our our talk about there's not enough people to do skilled trades. Yeah. When you were growing up, how did you think that the toilets flushed and how did you think that the lights worked in the house? I mean, what? Um, that, that, I mean, I know that sounds like a stupid question and, and, and I'm not being flippant about it i'm serious because did you never think about i wonder who fixes the car or did it just magically happen because your parents took it somewhere um i don't know i think there is an interesting line um my grandfather has been in the skilled trades his whole life i mean obviously he's retired now but prior to being retired but honestly it wasn't something that even he really ever talked about it was just kind of work so I know he worked somewhere and it was skilled trades, but to be honest, to this day, I still don't even 100% know what it was that he did. Um, so I think, yeah, it was one of those things where if there was a problem, honestly, as a kid, I didn't really notice it. It was just kind of something that did eventually end up getting fixed because 
um, either my parents would call someone or my dad would fix it himself. My dad is pretty handy. He was a car mechanic for quite some time before I was born. Um, and so a lot of car problems and things like that, I go to him for, he's taught me a reasonable amount about the car. You know, we how to change a tire, replace a battery, just kind of the easy small stuff. Um, that's just, yeah, it's important stuff to know. And so I think growing as I grew up, obviously there was more that I learned as I grew up, my dad did teach me how to do the how to fix the car and things like that but yeah I think as when I was small I really think it was just one of those things where things got fixed um if it was broken I I didn't really pay much mind to it as a kid it didn't really I can't remember a time where I noticed a toilet not flushing in the house or a light not turning on in the house outside of like a power outage I think the thing that you having been exposed to your dad as a mechanic that helps I, I worry about people who don't have that luxury so just uh good I, I just love getting your perspective on stuff because it's so <laughs> different than mine you know because when I was a kid you know I, I learned quickly how to do stuff because we did it you know like <laughs> probably child labor involved there but I won't I won't get into that but no good stuff um Thank you for thank you for telling us that, Gabby. Yeah, of course. Uh, Andrew, I, I just want to tell you again, thank you for joining us. Um, you you have some really cool thoughts. I love what you're doing. Keep doing it for God's sake, because um, it takes it. You know, it takes all of us out there making our little baby den in the universe, as as our buddy Steve Jobs would say. But uh, good stuff. Quick. Thank you for doing it. Gabby, thank you for pulling all this craziness together once again. Absolutely. Well, as Greg said, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure meeting you and, like I said earlier, hearing your story. And Greg, as always, it's great talking to you. And everyone, thank you for watching another episode of Straight Outta Crumpton. Please make sure to go subscribe to this podcast on apple or spotify podcasts if you want to view more content like this and don't forget to check out gregcrumpton.com for all of your greg crumpton content thank you guys